0: And we're back. So uh, today we're going to be focusing on empathy, uh, again, in terms of how we as providers engage in empathy towards ourselves, each other, our clients, as well as our work with clients and um, what happens when empathy may be lacking and uh, things like that. So we're going to jump into that um, with myself, uh, Tim Crumley, uh, Emma Cranston, my co-host, my other co-host and producer, uh, Carlos Merced And... Uh, but first, here's a little bit more about our practice. So Common Sense Mental Health is a it's, it's basically the overhead for a group of private providers, uh, licensed mental health counselors, social workers. Uh, and we operate within our own practices and we provide uh, teletherapy throughout New York State. We also provide in-person therapy as well within the capital region. And all of our providers are competent in teletherapy. Uh, we specialize in video, phone, as well as text-based services. And some of our providers have their own practice that work with common sense. And in those practices, they may be overseeing uh, interns or um, sort of pre-licensed providers who are under limited permits uh, or something along those lines. Uh, but that is common sense mental health in a nutshell. Um, any questions, you're always welcome to reach out and ask, and we will be happy to answer. And we're back. So today's podcast, uh, the title actually, which I did not share prior to the intro, uh, is "Making Empathy Sexy," um, and we named it that in part because I think part of what comes up when we think about empathy, and I can't speak for everybody, but I think part of what comes up is, um, you know, we sort of attribute it to certain things. We associate empathy with with certain things, and then there's um, other things that we don't and how that plays out in relationships and what we're seeking in relationships and what happens when we're finding people who are not really empathetic. And, um, so talking about this in a few different ways, but also how can we view and understand empathy as really being a critical, important thing when working with someone or, you know, whatever that, whatever that context may be. Um, so I'm still, Navigating my coffee. So I'm going to let someone else jump in on that on that note.
1: Navigating my coffee. That's a good one.
0: That's, um, that could be another, another podcast, another
1: <laughs> right. title. Well, I'm also navigating some coffee. Um, I would say first we should kind of define what empathy is.
2: Because
1: oh. um, I think there's a lot of confusion around that. I, I know, at least in my practice, I don't know if you have this, Tim. Mm-hmm. But um, when I ask clients, you know, like, oh, what do you mean by empathetic? they'll often describe like being
2: sympathetic.
0: So mm. I guess what's our working definition for empathy? So first thing that comes to my mind with empathy is uh, putting yourself in that person's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. So to differentiate that from sympathy, it's not that you're um, feeling bad for somebody or that you're feeling sorry for somebody or somehow giving them pity. Like that's not what's happening there. Um, it's that you're truly thinking about what that would be like, even if you've never experienced it. And even if you can't, fully understand or fully experience what that thing is you're doing your best to put yourself in their shoes so that you get a better sense as to what their lens may be mm-hmm. um if that makes sense mm-hmm. yes
1: well said for right. still navigating your
0: coffee thank you yeah. thank you <laughs> um y- anything yeah anything that you would add to that no that,
1: that completely matches my well the definition of empathy um, so yeah no you nailed it
0: nice nice yeah so yeah so i guess in our work as therapists what are we seeing when it comes to this what you know how does that how does this play out
1: i can often see some of that lack of empathy when oh wow it's early for me to try to put this into words um but um often clients can kind of like filter their experiences through their own lens. Um, so, you know, for example, somebody saying like, well, obviously that person was trying to frustrate me because why else would they have said it that way? Um, and when we filter things through our lens, we're kind of prescribing the way we think, believe, and act onto others. And that's not, we're not all the same. That's not going to be the case. Um, So it can be challenging sometimes for clients to like recognize that other people are going to behave the way they behave and it's not going to line up with the way, you know, my clients think it should or should not go. Um, And it can be interesting to try to bring back like, well, aren't they different than you? Like perhaps let's consider what was coming up for them. Don't they have some of their own experiences that are, influencing how how they interact or whatever um so i feel like that's one of the most frequent ways when when people are kind of struggling with it mm-hmm. if that makes sense
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I, how, how is that i guess as a therapist and i have some thoughts here as well as so i won't keep bombarding you with questions. Um, but as a therapist and when you see essentially when there's elements of that lacking or, um, yeah, basically you have, you have a client who's kind of struggling to experience that and to engage in that. What, I guess, what does come up for you as a, as a uh, therapist working with that person?
2: Um, oddly enough,
1: empathy, Uh, but I can kind of understand like, oh wow, this like their reactions are very, very real. You know, like right. it does feel hurtful. So um I can kind of you know, I can think back to times when I felt hurt and understand how upsetting that is. Mm. Um so I can be very empathetic towards them while also kind of challenging not kind of challenging, while also challenging mm. the the kind of the linear thought process that got them there. Mm. Uh and sometimes even just saying like using a little bit of self-disclosure to say like, Oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. You mm-hmm. kind of be like, Oh, phew, mind blown.
2: Right. Um, mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, of course that's, that's more effective when I have like a good rapport with the client and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but when there's kind of this, this standing where my clients and I are both respecting each other, we have a good working relationship. Uh, we can have like that, dialogue like a very honest dialogue um, even just as simple as saying like oh let's say I would have thought differently than you can be enough to prompt the conversation of like wow other people are going to do other things mm. um, my way is not the way right uh, so I, I kind of see it as like it's kind of normalized for me and I think part of that is also just like the fields that i've worked in like previously Mm -hmm. i worked in substance use so there was a lot of kind of teaching and practicing like taking different
0: perspectives yeah yeah well that's i mean that's a good point that depending on the subfield that you're in how what kind of impact does that have as a therapist Mm -hmm. how you understand empathy how you also engage in it um i appreciate what you said too about for again for people who may be struggling with that. Um that's usually sort of my first thought too. And I think often this is the case. Okay, well they're just in a particular place with this right now, right there, right? They're either feeling really hurt or angry or and it's something that they need to be feeling and need to navigate and um and I think yeah, I don't think I mean I've worked with probably a handful of people, maybe less. Who I like, truly probably struggled with empathy, like just sort of in yes. general, right? Like just as like, yeah, there was no, you know, it's, it wasn't that they were mourning and grieving or navigating some of the process. It The empathy just really isn't there. Right. Um, but yeah, I think working in certain subfields, I think we get kind of that uh, exposure, you know, in terms okay. of how this is for, um, and especially for a client who has been through a lot of trauma and a lot of um, additional layers that, sort of the norm or sort of somebody in that norm doesn't generally go through. Um, yeah. and so sort of the impact that that has, so I think that definitely has an impact as providers, how we empathize and, and even, you know, how we understand certain behaviors, you know, a client is quote, resisting versus no, like th- these things are not working for the client. These things are not actually helping them. In fact, they're actually being harmed and this is why they're acting this way. And right. just how we understand that I think is really influenced by that. So I, yeah, I, I appreciate you jumping to that. I, I think that's yes if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Okay, good. I'm 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 hoping I'm I remain coherent as we're <laughs> navigating this early podcast. Um, um but that says I mean as we're talking about you know and I think we're, we're we're kind of this conversation is going in the direction of as providers again how we experience empathy. Um I guess yeah, what what are some thoughts you have on that Emma? Um empathy
1: is necessary in our field. Um, We we do kind of need to practice empathy towards our clients because there will be plenty of times where, you know, maybe our clients aren't the most, um, like, our values don't match quote-unquote well enough with the client. So, like, it may be one of those people where, like, hey, if I met you outside of here, I wouldn't be friends with you. I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, So we kind of need empathy for the clients that we I don't want to say that we don't like because that just sounds so harsh. And I I don't think we should really have Mm. clients that we just flat out do not like, Uh, Mm -hmm. but you know, for the clients that we're not vibing with as much. um, So it's absolutely necessary. I think that it also needs, like there has to be um, boundaries around our empathy. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if some clients, well, I know I've worked with people who have shared this experience of going to therapy and having a therapist who is like overly empathetic. So if the client is getting emotional about something, the therapist is right there getting emotional with them. Mm. Um, mm. and you know, I can look back to my practice. There have absolutely been some times where I've teared up a little bit in session. It's also very, uh, controlled. I'm never stopping mm. kind of an idea. Right.
2: Uh, right? So there's,
1: there's the difference between demonstrating like, normalizing emotion and kind of taking over the session for the therapist's emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, so as therapists, we do also need to have a damn good amount of self control because it is not uncommon for us to hear really upsetting things and our clients session time is not our time. For those
0: emotions, right? Uh, does that make sense? And it does. It does. I like how you differentiate it. And granted, not that this is like the end all, be all indicator. You know, as you're saying, but um sobbing versus having some of that reaction and maybe you know tearing up a little bit, or and I think yeah, this is this is really important because I've had clients talk about this too, where they have a they have a provider who, again, whether there's empathy involved in it or not, is having this kind of reaction where, um, you know, maybe part of the goal is to look like you're empathizing, but really what's happened is that therapist has taken up the space for that client. Right. And they've, yeah. they've engaged in this, you know, huge reaction to this thing and the client no longer has room to have the reaction or to really experience that, um, which obviously is not good, especially when it's your, <laughs> with your uh, therapeutic space. But yeah, so I think that's a really good point Emma, to bring up because as we're trying to encourage empathy, um, Again, I think at least for most of us, we're trying to encourage empathy with our clients. We're managing our own empathy towards our clients, like you were saying before about, you know, there could just be different reasons why, you know, we may need to take a look at that or may struggle with that. But as we're like navigating all that, maintaining those boundaries at the same time and Mm -hmm. making sure that we're not taking up additional space or that we're not taking up space that we shouldn't be. Um, You know, I think our presence in the room, I mean, obviously not to get literal, but, but it it takes up space already. Like we're already present with them. Um, you know, how much more of that do they really need or need to see in order to experience that? Um, you know, and I think, yeah, there are definitely contexts where, you know, showing a little bit of that can actually be a very genuine, important thing to do. It can be really important for the client, but you gotta be very careful about context. Um, you know, we talked, I know we talked in our last podcast. Um, we, I think we got a little bit into this where, again, a provider and specifically a, a, uh, a, a, a white provider might have a reaction to something that's happened to their client of color. And they could, yeah, I think that's easily what can happen. There can be their own white guilt, white shame. All these other things may come out in the work. Um, yeah. and effectively taking away that space for, for their client. So, um, yeah, that's one example that comes to mind, but I think you're right that this is something that our clients go through. And I've had several talk about some kind of form of this.
1: Right. Yeah. And I feel like if there's ever a time where you do tear up a little bit, um, kind of processing it with the client through the client's experience mm. in a sense. Mm.
2: Um,
1: so not just like, Oh, Hey, sorry, I got a little teary there or, um, pretend it's not happening or anything like that. Like acknowledge it. Like, you know, you may notice that my eyes are tearing up a bit. Um, like what's Mm. coming up for you when you see that. Um, so not processing it. Like here's what's coming up for me. client. like, let me tell you, but kind of let the client process. Do they feel uncomfortable that you're showing emotion? Mm. Um, do they kind of feel like really super duper hurt? Like what is it that's coming up for them? Um,
0: just because, again, our session time is for the client. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I, I like, I, I, and I like how we're, get we, we, from my work. Yeah, and and I, I really like, Emma, where you're going with, um, you know, essentially how to navigate that with a client if you are having a reaction, right? Like, I think that's, and then that's a great way to do that because you're acknowledging it, right? It's not this thing that's happening that we can't talk about or, you yeah. know, so you're acknowledging it, but also you're, having the client talk about what that is for them and you're it back to them by doing that. You're not just having the reaction and, and expecting that your client is going to now empathize with you or because again, if we're right. in that territory and if that's what we're looking for, we've steered off track mm-hmm. as a therapist. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think keeping that on them and asking them how that is, I think that makes, that makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Another pro tip,
1: cause I'm a very emotional person. Um, <laughs> So Mm. a lot of what I'm talking about is like things I've been kind of learning and getting supervision on and everything. Um, something that's helped me a lot and is actually kind of a, um, a visualization that I'll use with clients as well is thinking of a closet. Um, Mm. hopefully I haven't shared this on the podcast before, but if I have, sorry. Um, it doesn't sound perfect. So think of a closet. We kind of got to go through it. There can be a mess in our closet. But we're organizing things so often if I'm feeling like a really strong reaction coming up in a session, I will like I can take a second and kind of visualize me taking the feelings, whatever it is that's coming up or the experience, putting it in a box, taping a lid on the box, taking a marker, labeling the box, emotions from session with blah, 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 Uh, putting the box up on a shelf in the closet, kind of date when I'm going to take it down. Because I can take that back down and unpack it, not at session time. Mm. Um, And it's more about like compartmentalization rather than avoidance. Like that's where the date comes in to like, here's the time I'm going to unpack this rather than I'm going to try to shove this in my overly stuffed closet and never come back to it again until it explodes. Yeah. (laughs) So like I'll use that a lot with clients, but that can also apply to the counselors who are navigating their own emotional reactions to whatever it is happening in session. Um, and honestly, sometimes for me that's looked like getting through the session, managing my emotions, doing fine. But then, you know, between sessions we wrap up, you know, leaving my client off the door. Okay, great. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. See you later. And then returning to my office, closing the door, hiding behind it in my crying corner, and letting loose, man. Like, yeah. Let those emotions out, mm. collect myself, and then kind of like continue with the day. If you need the release, do it after session. Go cry in the bathroom, which mm. sounds really harsh the way I just said it. And I don't I A little that bit. Way. Yeah, this harsh. <laughs> I know. But like, kind of take it elsewhere than the session. Yeah.
0: No, but I hear what you're saying. And I think I-, I would fully agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we keep talking about this, uh, Carlos, do you have any thoughts that's coming up for you as we're? Well?
3: Um, well, I like how this topic spotlights um, how therapists are reacting or, or, or how therapists should react. Just because um, I think a lot of people most of the time think that a therapist is supposed to be like an emotionless ro- robot. Right. they're just mm-hmm. like they're listening to you yeah they can be sympathetic but you don't want them to show that in the mm-hmm. session Um, and it's it's nice to hear how you guys kind of process that you know in the moment and then after the moment yeah preparing yourself you know to deal with it in the moment as well mm-hmm. so it's just interesting
0: mm-hmm. yeah
3: because yeah. I would have a hard time I would think um, not showing my emotions in, in the moment. Mm. It'd be harder for me to like, do what Emma just, um, recommended with the putting in a box. I don't, I don't think I would be able to do that.
0: Mm. Yeah. So Yeah. 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 Well, it, that's, and that's a good point. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think a lot of clients and certainly not everyone, cause I've, I've had clients who have, um, who very much know this is not the case, and they actually are, are looking for some signs of this. But there are clients that I think do come in thinking that right we're kind of like like you describe that kind of like a motionless robot or that you know we're this sort of completely unbiased entity. Um, and I think because we, we put that off. Right? I mean, that's totally on us as therapists because we we put off that notion. That's you know, um, but no. The reality is that we are human too, and we do have our biases and our countertransferences, and um, and yeah. I think just acknowledging that, but yeah. And I think going back to what you're saying, Carlos, I definitely hear you. And I think, again, there's a lot of therapists that do struggle with that, that sort of putting this in, in sort of a box and setting it over here and, um, and I'll come back to it. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, I could see people, you know, doing that and trying to, you know, okay, well, I'll come back to this at this point. Oh, uh, but they just never get to it. You know, they never yeah. get to that, that their, their own therapy session or that supervision set, you know, uh, consultation or you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And then suddenly we're piling stuff up too. So yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, I think what you're saying with that, Carlos is, is a really good point. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but this being said, so, uh, we're going to actually jump to a break and we will be right back and we're back. Uh, so a- as we move forward in this early conversation, um, Carlos, you had some additional thoughts during the break that you, yeah.
3: We yeah it. It's not really like a question or anything. It's more like just a thought. So I'm going to just throw it out there and then you guys can kind of like decide what you want to do with it.
2: And... Ooh, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs>
3: um, no, because what I keep thinking about is um, in my mind is like false empathy, air quotes. It, uh, like when someone um, feels like in the moment they, they know exactly how you're feeling. So they try to kind of like explain in the moment about whatever your topic is so like let's say "Ah, it's so hard i don't know how to explain it it's like just someone's just over explaining things so let me trying to avoid i don't know some sort of emotion so that they don't want you to feel
0: yeah so uh, okay i'm gonna see if i can Jump in with that and tell me if what I'm saying makes sense. I think what you're referring to is a situation where someone is, um, they're, they're seeing themselves as, as giving empathy. They're seeing themselves as sort of engaging in this. But what's really happening is they are projecting onto your experience mm-hmm. in that moment. So again, yeah, they're making assumptions about how you're feeling. They're making, you know, and again, in their mind, they think that they're empathizing, but what they're really doing is projecting their own stuff and, and doing that, then they're also defending how They're projecting their own stuff mm-hmm. onto you if that sounds accurate. If I'm yes. saying that right, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so yes, yeah, so you mean like just as providers, how we deal with that, or yeah,
3: like do you ever have to like deal with a client that's doing that, like in the mm. session, like half more, half or more than half of the session is them like explaining. <laughs> their
0: false empathy yes yes so i i know i have um yeah and I, yeah i can't, I can't speak for him i know i have and and again not to keep going back to the same thing but part of what does come up for me and not even just as a therapist slash because i'm supposed to but i i truly do i will empathize with that person i mean quite quite especially with something um you know, I mean, this has come up, for example, even recently where, you know, if I have clients that are, pro- that are processing and talking about the protests that are going on, and, and again, and specifically my uh, white clients, there'll be elements of this that happen, right? So they're, e- they're either doing this to people of color in their own lives, or they're even sort of doing it as they're talking about this in the session. And that's just one example. There's many ways that this happens. But, um, and when that comes up, yeah, I definitely empathize because I, I, I've done that. Like I've, I definitely have, have my own version of that as much as I like to think that I, you know, don't do that. And that I, I don't protect other people. I, you know, as much as I like to think that I do that, I'm, I know that I'm, I don't do it every time. So um, yeah. So I think, yeah, that's a good example of that. So I, I, I would empathize. And then I guess from there, it really depends on how I think, it, it, well, first off, it depends on the relationship I have with that client. So what is our trust? You know, have we been working together long enough where because if it's a client that I think that I, I know, trust me and I also trust them and I I kind of know them more so maybe it's over a year's worth of work or whatever, um, it's easier to challenge that. So it's easier to empathize with it, to say that I'm empathizing with it, Um, maybe even self disclose. I've been there myself, but then going into challenging it, that really depends on that Relationship because a newer client doing that. And if I don't really know them that well and we really haven't developed that rapport, me challenging that's going to feel and and it's going to equate to something very different than Mm -hmm. if I know them. If if they're, you know, so it's my sense is that it definitely takes some deeper work and it's not necessarily something that even on day one, I'm not that you couldn't, but you know, I think it's much harder. If this is day one or you're still in your assessment phase or um, in that case, I might just sort of allow the client to do that and just hear them on that and, and kind of keep going. Um, but that's only because I'm trying to gather more data and info at some point. That's got to be looked at, like at some point, there's got to be a coming to with that, because that's probably linking into other issues that that client is facing, especially if they're navigating relationship issues. Um yeah if that makes any sense. That does
1: make sense. I I know for me, I really like using immediacy in those situations as well. Mm. Um, Because I think that can land even with newer clients. I mean, like you're saying, if it's the assessment process, I'm assessing. Like, that's kind Mm. of my focus. But uh, if it's newer in work, maybe we don't have that trust for just the challenge. Uh, Kind of the immediacy of highlighting the trend. Like, hey, I'm noticing that you know, there seems to be a lot of like self-correcting. Um, and I- I'm wondering where that's coming from for you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe they've already done some work here. Maybe they have some insights. Maybe it's a shock and they want to talk about it more. Um, but it can kind of like open the door. Um, and I mean, of course, it's still going to be some time. I'm not saying that. And then you ask the question and it's done, but you know, mm. it can start bringing it to the forefront of their mind. Cause often if I just say like, Hey, where's that coming from? Oh, let's, let's kind of keep an eye on that. Let's just see how often that happens. Mm. Um, and then we kind of start noticing some of our characteristics, you know, like, Oh wow. I do that a lot.
0: Right.
2: Holy smokes.
0: <laughs> yes. You basically are kind of getting them to observe and count that thing. Yeah. When that's coming up. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As we're talking about this, you have additional thoughts, Carlos?
3: No, it's just, I, um, I like this episode because it's, um, it keeps spotlighting like what you guys have to do, mm. like in the moment or like behind the scenes. It's kind of like we're, um, reviewing a TV show or something. We're getting like
0: behind the scenes scooped. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we do that in our other podcast. I don't we? know. I, or... I guess
3: I'm, I'm noticing it more now
0: in this one. More so in this yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
3: Cause I guess for me, um, emotions are important and i think this is what you know this podcast is mostly about right so i'm connecting more with it i guess that makes sense
0: yeah That makes sense yeah it does i was thinking as we were talking kind of going back to the to the robot analogy um and even like yeah what we learned in grad school versus Again, I think it is one of those things where people talk about can you teach empathy, and, and that's a whole topic in and of itself. Um, whether or not you believe that you can, though, and I think we have established ways that again, for some clients or certain people, there are maybe ways of doing that. Um, but I think as therapists, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, I had a supervisor once say I disagreed with them on a lot of things, but um, they did. They said this one thing where they pointed out that. Um, how do they say it? But basically, the point was that there are certain strengths or certain characteristics of a therapist that they're either going to come in with or they're not. And I fully agree with that. And I think this is kind of getting at one of those things. It's like there's, there's just certain things that as a person, you're either going to bring, you know, to that room that's going to be, that's really going to amplify your work, that's going to, you know, be part of what makes you a good therapist or the things you may walk in with that are really going to hinder that. Um yeah. You know, and I think this is one of them. Um, but it was funny because as we were talking, all talking about this, my mind was jumping back to grad school and, um, the, um, the Helping Hands book or the Helping Skills book. Yes. <laughs> um, Helping Hands, it's uh, Helping Skills, the Helping Skills book. And, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes? No, that's
3: too
0: good. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> So totally derailed my train of thought. I
3: didn't even say anything. I just
0: had a look. Yeah, you, you did have a look. Um, I helping remember, hands. I remember. <laughs> I mean,
1: helping skills. Jeez, I'm sorry. I was
3: trying to be helpful, and I'm just. Did oh, you, you just say? Help, you said,
0: yeah, you said helping <laughs> hands. See? See? See?
3: I <laughs> think <laughs> you were just being like low key shady. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry helping skills helping skills back to what i was saying so we um we we went through um active listening skills back Uh in back in grad school and they they legitimately taught this in class and and i'm only laughing just because it seems like i think that would fit the stereotype for that client that thinks that we're robots you know it's like we had to have a class on how to actively listen um that said, I mean, this, I think, goes back to a lot of those skills and, and sort of techniques where, and a lot of the, I cannot speak this, I was, was going to say theopists. I have no idea what that <laughs> word is, where that comes from. A lot of therapists, um, I think, especially as they continue practicing, deviate from some of those skills and, begin conversing a bit more and again some of this i think is is further skill and development and can be really good so i'm not saying people shouldn't do this but we'll deviate from some of those basic skills whereas those particular responses and and I know things that i'll talk about in that book it's meant to preserve space for your client okay um
3: it's just funny it, it, it makes it sound like all extra epic It's
0: like the space and time of the client. Okay. But do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not. (laughs) All right. We're not God. But yeah, dude, does that, was what I'm saying make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, But yeah, so I think that that's, so I think those skills are important to know, but it is funny that we had to learn that. That's the point of this of my story uh-huh. and of what I'm sharing here. I'm, I'm now uh-huh. done.
3: So with that being said, do you think empathy can be taught? Is that, is that true empathy?
0: Right. Well, it's just, I think that that depends. Yeah.
3: Right. So for me myself, I think that like true empathy is rare. Mm. And most people are just, what Emma said earlier, is just sympathetic and, and they just don't know how to, differentiate the two like you you know like uh there's that example where i don't know if it makes sense with this but um some people can hear themselves in their head when they're reading Mm. and some people that just blows their mind like what i can't i i don't even know what that even can be like they they never experienced it themselves Right, right so they don't know how to truly like feel about it i guess
0: there's a scene from the office that makes me think of where um and for those listening hopefully you, um you've seen the office or You watch it um and emma you've seen the office right I don't oh think sorry so. oh my gosh oh, oh okay it. so I'll, I'll you'll anyway so this will be new for you um there's an episode it's somewhere in the middle of the series and that's extra what season but um where um two of the office employees um i believe it's kevin and oscar I believe, but two of the office employees, um, the parking spaces in front of the building are being taken up by this other, uh, company, by this like construction company that's coming in to work in the building or something. So they go to Michael, the boss to complain about it and, and Michael, Andy who, and Kevin, Andy and Kevin. Thank mm-hmm. you. And, um, <laughs> and they go in and they're basically trying to, trying to get his help. And he's just like not caring at all. Like he's just not that interested. So finally he stops and he goes, all right, let me try to imagine wh- what it would be like if I didn't have my parking space. And he kind of just—and that's not the exact quote, but something like that. He closes his eyes and sits there. They wait for him. And he goes, "Okay, yep, that would be bad." And it's like he it took him a minute. It's like he had to like force himself to empathize with him in that moment. Right. And then, I mean, he still didn't help them, but um, so it kind of makes <laughs> me think of that, where it's like, like you just said, Carlos, is that true empathy? Yeah. Right. If it's like,
3: so like if you're you're truly being empathetic, you, I don't think you would need that minute to like sit there and process it, like you. You shouldn't, yeah, That you shouldn't need to process it in order to understand their emotion. I I don't think that's true empathy. True empathy is like you just, you're aware. Right. You're just aware.
0: What if that, just to get hypothetical for a moment, and and again, this hasn't come up for me necessarily, but what if um, that person needs to guide themselves through what that experience might look like? More so, in order to experience empathy, and what if they do need them that, that minute?
3: Then, then what I just said, like it, it's. I guess it could be considered empathy, but it's not true empathy. I guess in my mind.
0: What do you think, Emma?
1: <laughs> I, something that's coming to mind for me is like the adaptive <laughs> turning off in quotes of empathy. Uh, so I'm thinking you know, part of, again, going back to grad school, part of what I remember learning was kind of like how to turn off your empathy to reduce, like, that compassion fatigue because it is also exhausting to be, like, um, I don't want to say taking on the emotions of others because you don't have to take it on. It can can still observe and, like, kind of filter it through, like, oh, yes, I've had these experiences. Um, But I... I don't know. I hear what you're saying, Carlos, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my sense is like, I think there can still be empathy, even if it's something I have to sit with. Um, ultimately, will I ever be able to sit with a client and say like, ah, this is their very genuine, quote unquote, untrained empathy. Or is this something that they're kind of faking? I'm never really going to know because it's always going to be reliant on like the client's awareness, the client's trust and being honest with me um and just like all of these factors that are out of my control but I wouldn't necessarily say having to take a minute to think it through and kind of like put ourselves in their shoes means that it's like fake empathy. that makes sense was that a very long-winded response it does yes it does okay Mm -hmm.
0: yeah no it does I I mean I think and again, tell me if this fits or makes sense. I think going back to where you started with that, Carlos, I mean, it's and actually, as you were saying this, it kept making me think like, how should I put this? Again, depending on the context and depending on the point of view we're talking about, though that can be a very important differentiation. And working with a client who is is trying to experience empathy and is working towards doing that and maybe, again, has a way of visualizing that that helps or you know, something that does take them a minute. Would I differentiate that from true empathy? I think for me, it gets way too murky to, to, for me, I, I wouldn't put it quite the same way, Carlos, mm-hmm. but I think that differentiation that you're making is really important for maybe say a partner or for somebody who, again, depending on the context and what's going on, yes. um, they, they, they really need this, this person to really like get it on this, like more like intuitive, you know, level where, yeah, there's probably not going to be a delay in that, right. Where, yep. and that delay can actually be very Either traumatic or harmful for that particular person, depending on just the circumstances. Um, so it's it's something where I could see that making a difference for those around that person, mm-hmm. and 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 the sort and, and the the people who are in a a uh, a relationship with them, or you know whatever that context. Uh, but you know, is it the same thing that's happening? And yeah, I mean, I think it, it's. I don't know if it's black or white. I don't know. But again, in my view, if it's that sort of black and white, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense, um, that, that was
2: fantastically put. Yeah.
0: A great point. Yeah. And again, in, and I think both the, in both of these scenarios, we're assuming that the person can get to feeling empathy. It's just a matter of how automatic or how you know. But then another element of this, and I think that you both were kind of getting to this too a little bit. Then I think there's uh, there are approaches and there are things that we can do as therapists with clients who actually cannot get there at all and who do not report experiencing empathy. I mean, they can sit there and close their eyes all they want. They're not going to have the feeling like that's not going to come up. And what happens, you know, in, in a case like that, um, I think it's something where we may get the client to show a certain reaction because that's what's socially appropriate, because that's going to, you know, be beneficial to those around that client There's ways of, of sort of getting a client to to learn how to do that. But again, even though they're going through those motions they're not actually experiencing empathy. And, and in that case, Carlos, that, that's where I would, in my mind, there would be more of that sort of difference where it's like, you know, this is a case where it's still not evident, even though the person is is showing it or going through the right motions or having the appropriate reaction, um, right. if that makes sense. Um, and that's a whole other piece. But yeah, what is that? What are people's thoughts on that? Isn't that one
3: of the... Excuse me. Isn't that one of the um, like qualifications to be labeled as like schizophrenic? Because I think there's like five things that people uh can be labeled in order to be schizophrenic, and you need like two of those five things. And isn't what we what we just said or what you just said? I think it might
0: be it might be one of the you mean in terms of the the the, uh, DSM criteria for that diagnosis like that's sure. like it's, it's in okay I don't it's in, know in, <laughs> <laughs> the the yeah the um the the big book that all therapists use to, to apply diagnoses um uh yeah i think in that i think yes there is a line regarding empathy i believe i could be wrong with that it comes up um and this is now going back to an older version they don't it's not in its own category well it is um the access to it's now it's no longer called that, but the access to disorders um, yep. that comes up a lot. Where those most of those most of those disorders are related to like personality issues, and empathy is a part of a, a number of those. Is that your cat, Emma? That's yep.
3: That's the first time I've ever heard like actually heard your cat.
0: Yeah, usually you talk pets yeah. making noise in this. So yeah. yep.
3: I keep on looking because she's
2: scratching at the door. Also, oh. I'm like girl, calm
0: down. <laughs> um, yeah, so that comes up a lot with those disorders as well. But yeah, I think, I think you're correct. I think schizophrenia, I think that can be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that, but um, yeah. So I guess, I, yeah, where, that, where does that go for you? What...
3: Uh, it being...
0: Uh... Oh, like the fact that it could be indicative of certain yeah disorders and is that what you're... Oh, I thought you were asking me like... I, I'm, I'm curious where you were going with that. I was just curious. Oh, okay. I've, Cause
3: lately, lately for like the past couple of weeks, I've been having like a secret obsession with schizophrenia. And I may or may <laughs> not have been like watching videos of schizophrenic people being interviewed. Mm. And it's just, it's very, um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's so interesting how, how the mind of a schizophrenic works. Mm. So that was just me being curious.
0: Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Emma? Wanna-
3: not in particular,
0: no. <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah, don't
2: really have
0: much to add. <laughs> but that, but it, and it does, it does make that point though. That yeah, that a lack of empathy can certainly be part of a larger diagnosis or a set of issues that that person is navigating. Um, yeah, for sure.
1: I'm wondering. I'm trying to remember. Is that really like is lack of empathy part of the diagnostic criteria for schizophrenia? I know like there's the flat affect piece,
0: mm. but
2: that's
1: separate. But no, I'm just wondering, and I'll have to whip out my DSN later.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, my DSM is right behind me. That's right. I can see it from here. You can see it in the video.
3: I know, right? I've seen that book. This Big Honker. Yeah. You have a couple of those.
1: That's good. Weren't you in school time when they went
0: from DSM four to DSM five? That that's correct. Um, I was in my graduate program when that happened. Well, actually, it was right when the DSM five had come out. I think it came out like mm-hmm. right before. And um, I think I don't remember if we could actually no, it was on like back order or something. Like it, I remember it taking a while to get the book, but the book had been out. That's what I recall. Um, is. The professor was trying really hard not to use the old one because they didn't want to like make it harder to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So no, lack of empathy is not a diagnostic criteria for schizophrenia, oh,
0: okay.
3: but it's something, um, it's something with emotions.
1: yeah There's the negative symptoms that are kind of more focused on emotions So it's like that flat affect piece.
2: Yeah.
3: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I think there's some, there's some research into empathy with people with schizophrenia. Um, I don't think it's overly uh, like I don't think that's an area that's been like super duper researched. Mm. I also have not really been looking into like research on schizophrenia
2: in a few years,
0: but mm. yeah, yeah.
2: So, question answered, folks.
0: Yeah, but yeah, and I think in in a case where. And I guess this is more so what I'm thinking, where, for example, maybe you have someone who comes in, um, very, very different di- uh, diagnosis. Um, someone comes in with like antisocial personality disorder, or they come in with yes. something that like is like stereotypical and known for lacking empathy. Um, okay. and again, that person is just not able to feel that. Like they just, they don't even have 10, 20% of it. Like it's just, it's just not there. Um, that would be a case where again, you know, you may start looking at, okay, how can we, basically, how do we train this person so that the people around them as well as themselves that the quality of life improves because they're giving the appropriate reaction. They're not necessarily experiencing it though. And how do you, you know, so I think that's, that would be a case where you would see probably more of that approach. And then again, that question, are we really teaching empathy or are we teaching the motions of empathy? And essentially so that that person can kind of better fit in quote unquote. Um, it branches off into a number of other discussions and, and viewpoints and, um, but but yeah Mm -hmm. cool yeah any additional thoughts on that or
3: no i don't think so i don't
0: think so okay but this being said and and i guess just to bring us back right to our and even to the title of today's podcast making empathy sexy um i think as we're talking about these different things and how we navigate them in therapy um I think we've, we want to focus a little bit on what we associate with empathy, because I think this is partly why we, for example, have clients as well as ourselves and people we know personally, um, people engaging in relationships where that may be lacking, right? Where maybe they're lacking it themselves or often the other person is lacking this. And, um, you know, there's a lack of empathy in that person's life, which I mean, can happen on fairly large scales for for somebody in terms of their support network, quote unquote, or their family system, Um and you know people can find themselves basically feeling as though yeah i'm not i don't know anyone or i'm not engaged with anyone who is empathetic and thinking that okay well then i must deserve that or there must be something wrong with me because of that um when really i think there's a lot of different things that lead to that um if that makes any sense
2: yeah
0: um yeah so yeah i think so one thing that comes up um and i've had again various clients describe this and i think in some way Shape or form, especially if they're dating or navigating relationships, is uh, you know, they're with somebody. They have this uh, this uh, uh, can't find my words this morning. They have this romantic partner. There we go. Uh, who, um, again, is you know maybe being abusive in certain ways, or whether or not there's abuse, they're you know not acting in healthy ways or not demonstrating empathy towards them. But that person will still find themselves drawn to certain aspects or things about that person, um, and they're not necessarily feeling drawn. Like, for example, like, if that person were to then start to empathize and, and change their tune the next day, which that's not how that works, but I said that they, that they <laughs> did. My client, this particular client, uh, template I'm talking about, that person might actually be turned off or actually might be, uh, uh, sort of pushed away by that, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, and I think, uh, you know, when we start talking about those pieces, that starts getting back into attachment theory, which I don't know mm-hmm. how much of that our listeners know or don't know. I don't want to spend too much time explaining it, but basically these dynamics that we're drawn to when we're trying to find a partner. Um, and certainly I think they can play out in friendships too. I don't think it's only just romantic relationships, but that's usually what gets highlighted. Um, and empathy, yeah, often that's a characteristic that is not um, associated with these, maybe these other things that that person is drawn to. Um, and if it is, or if there is empathy, it's foreign, right? It's like, that's this is not, that's not... Yeah. Is you know this can't be accurate. It, it, and again, there can be lots of different things. It could be the the person's self esteem, for example, them thinking, okay, well, no, I don't deserve empathy. I don't. I'm not deserving of this person trying to meet me where I'm at. Um, and it can be again a real turn off in those ways. Um, so again, that's where that's the other piece when we talk about empathy. That's where my mind goes. That's sort of the other other area. But any thoughts on that?
1: I think you are. Uh- highlighting a very real phenomena essentially Mm. like Mm. it absolutely plays out and um, it takes it takes a lot of time to like break down some of those beliefs Mm. Um, you know like if I've gone through life and I've been very uh, dismissed like I have emotionally dismissive people around me uh, my emotions have been invalidated, invalidated I'm sorry repeatedly. Mm. So for somebody to kind of meet me with my emotions, like acknowledge them, uh, even though that's such a healthy, um, like that would be a very, I know this is a blanket statement, but in general, it's like a very healthy thing that we want in our relationships. Um, Mm. it can feel gross, Mm. super uncomfortable. Uh, So yeah, absolutely.
2: Absolutely
0: valid points that you're making. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think you would add, Carlos.
2: I don't think so.
0: That piece. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because we, when we go back to what we do as therapists in terms of empathy, whether it's our own or the work we do with a client, I mean, I think that's part of what, at least, at least what I hope anyway is that for clients that are, kind of struggling with that in their own relationships and within their personal lives, can this setting, can our our therapeutic space with with the client be a better template or sort of teach, mm-hmm. you know? So I think like that's, I think a big part of this and a big part of what we are, what we are offering as therapists in that. Um, mm-hmm. And also really important why we got to keep those boundaries and the other things about the frame in order to preserve that for the client. Um, but yeah, I think demonstrating that ourselves and then also, yeah, I think even just sort of educating and talking about this, I find again, just from either what I see or even what the uh, client reports, that it, it starts to shift for them as they're talking about this. And as they're kind of learning, okay, this is kind of what's happening and going on. Because I think what happens then is that we're able to more, and this goes back to something you were saying earlier, Carlos, about in terms of like identifying empathy and true versus, and I think the client gets better at that the more that we're talking about that. And the more that, you know, we think about it in session and then they're applying it when they're with their partner or when they're, you know, meeting people or whatever that, that person's context. Um, and I think, yeah, so just talking about it does I think a number of those things to help, to help the client better understand what this is and, um, how it could be better incorporated within their own system. Um, but it's a, I mean, but that's a huge process when, you know, you have someone who's, you know, looking at these dynamics and possibly reconfiguring their support system. And, um, you were going to say something, Emma. I
1: I'm just thinking of, um, I really like that you brought up that as therapists, we are sometimes at least able to be like the first
2: experience that somebody is having with like empathetic interactions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And
1: I I keep on kind of smiling because I'm thinking back to some clients I've worked with that have absolutely like hated that whole process. Mm -hmm. And when I say hate, you know, they weren't actually hating it. We had a very good rapport, so it almost became, humorous because mm. if I ever demonstrated empathy or God forbid gave some positive reinforcement <laughs> right, like right. there could be that reaction of just like okay like stop this like thanks but ugh. Mm. Um, and it would open up so many doors for just processing like you know even if it was something as like quote unquote simple as saying like oh you completed that homework assignment I gave you and you did a fantastic job awesome mm. And having that reaction of like, oh God, don't don't tell me I did a good thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So it was just it opens so many doors. Um, and the fantastic thing about going to therapy and kind of having that focus in on like being more comfortable with empathy and some of those like healthy relationship uh, characteristics mm. is like it hopefully will have that ripple effect and mm. it can or domino effect, however you want to think of it. Um, Where it does become like increasingly comfortable.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And like challenge that thought pattern that I don't deserve this.
2: Yeah. So yeah,
1: I'm just glad you're highlighting the therapist role. That was a very long way for me to say that. No, that makes,
0: (laughs) no, but that, that makes total sense. And I think, yeah. Um, and again, I think that's one of the things that as therapists, I can't speak for every therapist, but I know for myself that I, I'll, I'll take for granted, you know, that I'll, uh-huh. you know, I'll feel like oh, I'll, I'll maybe even question my own work around, well, am I doing enough that I, you know, without really acknowledging that just providing that space is exposing yeah. this client to a different kind of relationship, even though we're in a working relationship. Obviously it's not okay. a friendship or, but nonetheless, it's still exposing them to, yeah, I can sit through this and um it won't kill me it won't you know this isn't actually a threat or this isn't actually you know or you know it keeps happening i i must be deserving of this in some way yeah, that's yep. that narrative hopefully shifts a little bit um yeah yeah absolutely this is reminding
1: me how cool it is to
2: be a therapist
0: <laughs> well and and my hope is that and again kind of going back to the title right and we're, we're mm-hmm. sort of joking with that but um i think that is kind of what we're hoping to accomplish in that, right? How to make empathy appealing and how to uh, basically how can clients and people in general better understand empathy, what it's yeah. like, how to, how to receive it, how to give it. Um, and yeah. And yeah, I think certainly we can tie back to the therapeutic frame and, and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. 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 But any further thoughts on that?
2: I don't think so.
0: All right. I know we are getting close to time and we, we, I I feel like we just scratched the surface with some of this in terms of talking about empathy and, um, you know, uh, again, how we navigate this as therapists and in therapy, but, um, we can definitely come back to this topic Mm -hmm. in the future too. Um, I agree. Okay. Well, that being said, I'll have us wrap up. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Emma. Thank you, Carlos. Thank Um, you guys. Of course. And, uh, we will, uh, pick this up next week.
3: Bye.